Well, good morning, everyone. It's such an honor to be back here. My name is Ricky Poe. Um, I've had the honor and privilege to be a part of your church here for probably over 20-something years, but have been absent for a long time. Uh, it was uh, a time in my life when I was having a really tough time. Uh, the Lord brought me here and actually lived with the Lowe's and uh, got to kind of grow up with them and, and learn, learn some things in life. And the Lord helped me and protected me at that time. And, uh, but 20 years has passed and uh, the Lord did something really special to me. I own a business in the Austin area and, uh, and I haven't been preaching in the pulpit that much. Um, I have the privilege of being the chaplain for the University of Texas Police Department. Um, I've been a police chaplain for over 34 years in 11 different agencies. And uh, thank you. So somebody said, well, why are they clapping? All you do is deliver death notifications. And that is true. Uh, but it's my calling. And it's what I do and help, help people in a hard time. And it's just what we do. And I love it. But anyway, so um, I've done all that. But I've pastored, I've evangelized, um, I've started churches, I've been with uh, police departments, like I said, and also in a business. And this business that I uh, was operating in and, and, you know, standing there talking one day, uh, a man walked in and uh, he was getting a battery for his watch. It's a jewelry store. And so he comes and gets this battery and I'm waiting on a customer, talking to that customer and he walks in and he starts talking about uh, where he came from, came from Puerto Rico and that he uh, is here now because the Lord brought him here. Uh, the Lord saved him and delivered him from drug addiction and also selling drugs and was just telling people that. There's four or five people in the room. So it was kind of exciting to hear his voice and hear what he was talking about. And um, then he left. He came back the next day and he stood in there and he waited till everybody kind of cleared out except this one couple. And he walked in and he said, sir, I must tell you something. I was praying for you after I left yesterday, and the Lord told me to tell you to take the next or to take the three invitations you have to preach to take them. You are to take them. And I'd just been invited by Pastor Lowe for the first time in all these years to come and to minister here. And then I was also asked by another pastor to do two services for him. That's three, right? One, two, three. So I just said, Lord, that can't be you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know. I mean, that'd be too obvious, right? You know, trick me a little bit, you know? And uh, so I had to fulfill what God called me to do. And so I'm back in doing what he's called me to do with a different perspective, a totally different perspective of what's going on. Folks, I just got to tell you something today. I'm here in the perfect will of God, and I'm here to speak exactly what he tells me to speak. There's no denying that what we said today is coming from him because I'm only submitted to him and what he has to say. And all the components are working. You have a pastor that's submitted to the Lord and the voice of the Lord. He's kingdom-minded. There's not a time that I don't listen or talk to Brother Lowe that I'm not learning something. I'm learning about the kingdom and about what, about what the Lord wants. You would think that we read the same books and we do the same things and, you know, and we're all connected like that. That's not the case. It's not the case. Although when we get to talking... We're on the same page. It's just like the Lord is really confirming that. So it's an honor to be here. I love Brother Lowe and Sister Lowe. Now, she's a hoot. Where's Sister Lowe? Oh, yeah. Man, we've had so much fun messing with each other. I mean, we get to laughing. I moonwalked for her earlier, you know. I did a little moonwalk for her, you know. She didn't like that. She don't like my moonwalking. I love her. She's great. 
And uh, so good to be with Dave. Dan and uh, Dee, it's so good to see y'all, friends of mine for many, many years, just great people. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. So what's love got to do with it? This morning, we want to talk about the love and what love really, really is. Uh, first of all, let's start off with 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. I guess it comes up on the board. And, and now, abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So turn to your neighbor or somebody by you, you know, and if you're independent right now, then just put it in neutral and just kind of take this as whatever I say today and just let it mess all with your spirit. But if you're connected to people, look to the person next to you and just say, what is love? Do you love me? (laughs) So I remember the first time that somebody told me they loved them. I mean, I look back and I thought about the first time. They said, I love you. And I'll have to tell you that it didn't do anything for me when I remember thinking about that. Nothing. Didn't feel anything. It didn't set off any alarms or anything like that. But when I did meet an individual that I was zoned, you know, honed in on, you know, when I was looking, it was like, Now, wait a minute. I want to tell that person I love them because there was just that connection. There was something there. It's just like with the Lord. We want to talk about three things today. Love to the Father, love to man, and also love to the mission. It's just in the same way that the Lord looks at you and I in that he says he loved us. What was the greatest commandment he's given is to what? is to love your neighbor as yourself. God's perfect love came in the form of what? It came in the form of sending his son to die on the cross for our sins, and through dying on the cross for our sins, made a way for us to have salvation. Salvation is simply repenting of our sins, asking God to forgive us, to come into our life and save us, and then he takes over and does the rest. Now, I got to tell you something. I was a good little old Baptist boy at the age of 19, and I felt like the God called me to preach. The Lord called me to preach. I was 19 years old at Trinity Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Man, I remember thinking, oh, what we got ourselves into here. Pastor said, "Uh, Brother Rick, said, I really felt led to ask you to come and be our youth pastor. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that that's what I need to do. And he said, now, we're going to pay you $800 a month. Woo-hoo-hoo! I mean, like, you get money? You get, you get paid to do this? Oh, man, yeah, I was so excited. $800 a month to go and be the youth pastor of a church? Fantastic, sign me up. So we started out with about 40 kids uh, when I started, and then there was this meeting. I don't know if you know about Baptist churches, but there's a lot of meetings, okay? Uh, there's a lot of meetings. There's meetings going on that you don't even know about. You know what I mean? I remember the time my mom and dad, they were part of a group meeting, you know, of their Baptist church. And I walked through the living room and all they could talk about uh, was what their pastor needed to do, not to do. And I, I just thought to myself, man, if I'm a pastor, I would hate to know they're meeting about me about this kind of stuff. I mean, just let me be the pastor. <laughs> but in the meeting at, at the church for me, one of the uh, older persons in the church said, maybe he's too young to be our youth pastor. And one of the young people stood up and said, no, it shouldn't be about his age. It should be about what he knows in the will of God. 
And so they hired me to be their youth pastor, but also knew that I had to grow that fellowship. We grew from 40 uh, to 120 just in a matter of six months. That's a lot of people. But I remember the time that, the, that I was sitting, uh, I got an ulcer, and I was burning the candle at both ends. I was living by myself in a house, and man, I was youth pastor, and I was excited. I was winning souls. I don't know if y'all remember this place called Gillies. You know, there's a Gillies. It, oh, wow, that scares me. Too many people nodding their head. No, yeah. no you've never been. You just remember it, right? Gillies, Mickey Gillies. Honky Tonk, right? Like Billy Bob's, you know? All right. So Gillies was right behind uh, our church, or right in front of our church. So I just remember one time I got, I got a real smart idea. I'm going to go put a bumper sticker on every one of the cars in Gillies' parking lot. Trinity Baptist Church, come where you are loved. <laughs> oh, man, that's going to be the greatest thing. And I remember getting all excited and we were all fired up. And I got my group together and I said, man, let's do it. My pastor came to me the next Sunday, and he said, uh, Brother Rick, um, did you realize that that's going to look like that everybody that goes to Gillies uh, goes to our church? <laughs> no, sir. Well, he said, well, I'm just saying, um, you know, now everybody that goes to Gillies, you know, goes to Trinity Baptist Church. <laughs> so there was some of the exciting things. Also had the opportunity to win the world's strongest man to the Lord. That was really exciting. His name was Anthony Clark. Anthony Clark could bench press over 600 pounds. He was the first teenager to bench press 600 pounds, 619 pounds uh, as a teenager. And uh, we were, there, was a, there was a nightclub there for teenagers. And I had the opportunity to go and uh, witnessing and telling these kids that were coming there, hey, there's a better way. The Lord loves them. And had my group on my side. And uh, he came out because uh, his owner told him to come see me. And here he comes. He's Five foot eight inches tall, 64 inch chest, uh, 28 inch arms. Samoan Filipino was looking like this and came to me and he said, <laughs> he breathed like that. <laughs> he said, let me tell you something. He said, uh, the owner told me to tell you to leave. And I said, no, sir, we're not going to leave. <laughs> Boy, he's really snorting. He said, he said, no, we're not leaving. And I said, Anthony, I said, you know that you, you were called by God and the Lord loves you. And I just want you to know that I'm not leaving because we're going to tell these kids about the Lord. I said, in fact, let's just pray right now. I grabbed his hands. We began to pray and asked the Lord to forgive him. He began to cry and weep. He turned around after he got up and he quit his job. He got saved. I was able to travel him around together in the United States. And we won many, many kids to the Lord, snatching them out of hell just by giving their testimony and him lifting weights and coming to hear me speak after inviting him to eat pizza. Uh, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened out of that zeal and excitement as a young man to win people to the Lord because we love the Lord. We've got to do something. And that was my beginning days. In those beginning days, I really didn't know what the true meaning of love was. Love was not a part of my vocabulary. It was just out of what was, we were doing. So it was the greatest testimony to the fact that we are being obedient to the Lord is the greatest act of love. The greatest act of love is just hearing the voice of the Lord and walking in the Spirit and doing what the Father says. When the Father says, go, you go. When the Father says, stay, you stay. When the Father says, don't interrupt the service ever again, don't interrupt the service ever again. Things like that. The Lord 
knows what to say. He knows what to do. He knows what we need. The goal for us is to do what? To plug in. To plug into exactly what the Lord's calling us to do and to say, that is the greatest act of love. In other words, if we do what he says do, then people get saved. People get delivered. People get set free because we're being obedient to the voice of the Lord. If we ever try to close that up, then we're in trouble because we are religious, sanctified, think we know better, think that the anointing is not is you've already been more anointed or that you're more anointed than other people and you have your own ways because of what the Lord told you. Wow. Authority is the greatest protection for any of us in this lifetime is to admit yourself to a, somebody or whoever God called you to. You're not the reason things happen. The reason things happen is because of his love that comes through you and I as we're obedient to the Lord. So if it's thus saith the Lord and the Lord tells you to do it, then it's the will of God. It feel, feels like that. You, you sense it. You know it. You walk in it. Now there's this issue with once saved, always saved. Once saved, always saved is what I believed as a good little Baptist boy. You know, in other words, all you had to do is repent. You got all the goods. And I'll never forget this guy came to me and he said, well, when did God fill you with the Spirit? And I said, when I got saved. And he said, really, you just repented and God filled you? And I said, yeah. And then when God filled me with the Spirit many years later and I had the experience, man, I had to go back and apologize to a lot of people. Man, I told you guys were nuts, man. I told you, you guys, you were just acting like in the book of Acts. But you weren't really acting. I mean, you were really doing what the book of Acts was doing. And I, I apologize. That was the will of God. It was very humbling to receive something from the Lord like that that empowered me. But I remember this more than anything about that. Is that walking in the Spirit is obedient to His voice. That many times the greatest lie that we equate with our flaws, with our call. When we have issues and problems that are keeping us from doing the will of God, insecurity, doubt, fear, abuse, things that have happened in our lives, it's not so much the issue that we say, I'm too bad and I can't be good, or I'm too bad so therefore I can't go do the will of God, I'm not all right. I mean, some of you may have thought about that this morning, me playing Tina Turner. What's God got to do? Well, it's kind of like, well, wait a minute. I'm too sanctified for you to be, you know, playing Tina Turner. <laughs> well, that's, that's a spirit. It's better than. There's all kinds of ways that God is speaking to people. There's all kinds of ways that brings your spirit to the forefront so that daddy can take care of business. Even as you speak right, or you're sitting there right now, there is things within us that rise above so that the Spirit can hone in and take care of business. Now, folks, I wish I was a really nice person, you know, that everybody loves me and I love everybody, you know, and uh, everything's good. But as an evangelist and as somebody who is coming to speak to the body of Christ, I've got to tell it like it is. I've got to give you the goods. And man, a long time ago, thankfully, I fell in love with the idea that I can be who I am and I don't have to worry about people judging me. And did you know something? I don't have to worry about the spirits that are trying to concentrate itself to keep me from really being in who I am and to say what I need to say. 
But it's interesting. I can identify them. I can identify the Spirit. I can smell it. It's kind of like I just know where it's at. And the Lord said, stop concentrating on them. You know who they are. You know what the Spirit is. Leave them alone and talk to the people that are open, the people that are receiving, the people that want to be closer, the people that want to know. And then there are some of us folks that we just have to admit something. We don't really know what's going on with us. <laughs> All we know is the action of others in ourselves. That was bad. That hurt. I'm in pain. I'm in debt. This is not good. And therefore, Lord, I need help. And the whole time, the Lord has laid your help right there. I mean, I'm talking about this morning. He can deliver you from that depression and oppression and the feelings that you felt. He can deliver you in a moment's time like that when you open up your heart. But sometimes we have been so conditioned to keep him from really doing that. Why? Because now we got to change. And for the first time, you got out of a religious spirit because it felt so good to be told, sit, kneel, pray, take this, do that that when you were doing that, you felt you were doing the will of God. And that the whole time, you missed a one-on-one one -on -one relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And now that when you are faced with the reality that this is really what Christianity is about, now that spirit is resisting. And now it wants to say, well, I never thought that this was the will of God anyway. I didn't like this anyway. Am I getting too personal here? I just want to know. Am I okay? All right. All right, you see what I'm saying? That's a religious spirit. That religious spirit, folks, listen, is so rampant in all the culture of religiosity and religion in the world that whenever you see the real thing of having a pure relationship with the Father and with the Lord and walking in the Spirit to do His will, it's foreign. And the only doctrine and belief that really caused me to understand this was I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to see the Lord. So is it either once saved, always saved? Or is it if I burp wrong? <laughs> or if I look at something I shouldn't look at, that moment I'm going to die and go to hell. Now I'm married. You know, some of you are thinking there is no way you could be married, much less 22 years. Who in the world would live with you that long? Well, my wife, bless her heart, I tell people all the time, I say, you know what, living my, with my wife for 22 years, it just feels like 22 minutes underwater. <laughs> I mean, I'm <laughs> so the other, so the other, <laughs> so the other day, uh, I was talking to my wife and Brother Lowe uh, was on the phone and we were talking, and so I put her on speakerphone, and, and I, I said, sweetheart, you need to listen to this. And what does my wife say? She's very profound. She said, shut up. <laughs> I said, well, no, wait a minute. That's not what I was looking for. <laughs> I, was, I just want you to listen to what we're talking about here. And, oh, I didn't know that Brother Lowe was on my phone. I said, well, yeah, he's on the phone. And, you know, and, well, okay. I love my wife, man. She's awesome. She is one neat cat, man. But one interesting thing about her life, she was raised to believe, you slip up, you're going to hell. If you died right there, you're gone. I mean, what? Fingernail polish? Oh, you put that on your fingers? Hell. Yeah. Yeah. 
You what? You went to the movie house? The picture show? Woohoo! Hell! You said a cuss word accidentally? Hell! <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the way she lives. I mean, I've lived with her for many years, and it's, it's like, oh my gosh, I would never do that. I'm afraid I'd go to hell. One day, I, I, I'm amused by it, you know, because I feel like I know better about what's going on. I've got her, you know, I've got her where I want her. I understand where she's at, and you know what? She's not right. That's not correct. I know the doctrine. <laughs> I know what to believe. And then one day, the Lord told me this. He said, you need to help her with that. Well, that's her choice if she wants to go. No, <laughs> no, but he goes, you need to help her with that. That's not the way it operates. I want to love on her. I want to love her. I want her to love me. I mean, I want to have this relationship. But Lord, she prays and she talks to you. And, uh, you know, he said not very much, but I mean, <laughs> no, she does. She talks to the Lord. But what was the issue? The issue was what? I didn't garner that relationship. And so now... It's different. Here's the problem. The problem is, is we think it's compromise. Because we've been taught a certain way to do things. The outward appearance. If you don't go to church, you need to feel condemned. Because man has been able to say and do those things. And I want to personally, and I feel led to do this, I want to personally apologize to every single one of you on behalf of Christians. And and behalf of me as a Christian, I want to apologize to you for putting into your brain and your mind and your spirit that religious spirit. Forgive me. Because the truth is, if we let you go and we let you be obedient to the Lord and His voice, the greatest act of love will be shown to the world. Somebody says, but wait a minute. Well, first of all, you don't wait a minute anybody because you're judging. Well, wait a minute. He can't do or she can't do because he's this and he's that. You just judged. We say that, but then we don't live it out. You mean I can let somebody who's not all right and is not doing everything correctly, I can give them permission to be obedient to the Lord and do what they're called to do and not have to worry about calling them on the carpet? Yes. Brother Lowe says it's best. He said, we weren't called to be policemen. Policing people. I remember the time when my sister came to a Pentecost church. Remember, I was Baptist, right? When I, when I received the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues. <laughs> man, I went to the Pentecostal church. And all the friends that I would invite, man, they would come. And I'm, I'm watching. I am the Pentecostal policeman. I mean, I'm good at it, too. I'm watching. Oh, Sister Sally, you think you're going to come over here and lay hands on my friend? Uh-uh. You're not going to run them off. Oh, yeah, Brother John, you think you're going to come over here? <laughs> I got my eyes on you, brother. Brought my sister. You know, I got tired of people being run off because people weren't being of the Spirit. Somebody says, well, man, they love the Lord because they can do this. Well, I don't know about all that. You just scared my dad right out the door. I mean, he thought you had one leg just kind of going around in circles, you know, and you call that, you know, feeling the Lord. Well, what about, you know, okay, are you with me? There's a spirit there. It's been, anyway, hallelujah. So this guy, his name was Jerry. Jerry went to the University of Houston uh, campus there. Jerry got saved. When Jerry came in, his hair was going north, south, east, and west. And he had stuff written all over his pants. 
One time I was talking to him and I said, Jerry, what was your greatest act of witchcraft? Because he was in witchcraft. And he said this, I could make cats start fighting. You can make cats fight, the spirit, you know. I said, really? He goes, yep. And I could also make people start arguing. He said, if they were not spiritual and they were not of the Lord, walking to the, with the Lord, I could make them start arguing. And I'd watch it and hone in because there was no protection. Well, Jerry got saved. And I'll never forget when Jerry came in, he had a spirit on him. And when he had a spirit, he laid down on, in the altar. We laid down in the altar. Thanks, Beth. And his arm went up like this. Now, I'm a new Baptist boy, and I've got all my Baptist friends, you know, watching all this. I'm going, oh, Lord, this is really going to run them off. But, man, they started looking, you know, that guy. His hand went up like this. And his eyes rolled back in his head. And this great missionary man of God from Columbia was standing there praying for him. I couldn't ever see where his eyes were going because he had real thick Coke bottle glasses, you know. And he would just do like this. And I watched that man, and he pointed his finger at him, and he said, Shut up! I said, What in the world is shut up? <laughs> when he said that, Jerry rose up and he said, What did you say? And he went back into his deal and started freaking out. You know, it was weird. Watching all my friends, you know, okay, don't leave yet. Show's just about to start. You know. <laughs> Points to that spirit again, shot on. What did you say? Thought. Now, I don't remember that guy talking with that deep of a voice. <laughs> I just it was like somebody else was in him, you know. At that time, I didn't know what was going on, you know. That was weird. Third time he did it, that devil spoke out of him and said, this soul isn't worth it. I'm leaving. Bye. His hand dropped down. His eyes, he looked up at everybody. And that old man of God, he said, get him up. Pray for him. Laid his hands on him. God filled him with the Spirit. And that's how Jerry got saved. Jerry started writing Jesus on, all, on his pants. You know, he didn't care if it was slacks, jeans, or whatever. He's writing Jesus on it. Trust Jesus. And he would go to that campus, and he'd walk around telling everybody they needed Jesus. They need to come to the Lord. So here comes my sister. She had a religious spirit, didn't know she ought to receive more from the Lord. She's come there, and it's a great service. I'm playing Pentecostal policeman, and here comes Jerry. Oh, no, you're not going, you're not going to pray with my sister. You're not going to scare her off. And here he comes. So he was coming this way, and my sister was right here, and the Lord said, I was about to stop him. I'm, you know, I'm the policeman, right? And I was about to stop him, and the Lord said, if you stop him, she will not receive the Holy Ghost. Wow. Come on, Lord. He said, I want to check your spirit, son. Oh, my gosh, Lord. I could think of all kinds of things. He's going to freak her out. He's going to be weird. You know, he's going to scare her. He said, back off. I backed off. He said, sister, you're going to get the spirit right between the eyes. No, he said, you're going to get the HG right between the eyes. And he laid his hands on her, and God filled her with the spirit just like that. <laughs> it was great. So my sister won many, many people to the Lord after that happened. And then the Lord taught me something. you got to be careful because I have my way. You have your way, I have my way. And I think today, and part of what we understand what true love is, is if we want to treat others, we want people to treat us like he's treated us, right? If we want people to treat us the way we want them to treat them, then we will do what we naturally should do if we love, because we're being obedient 
to the voice of the Lord. It's very, very powerful thing. I'm going to jump back up here. Don't judge. I'm telling you. Man, I'm getting old. This morning, I, what, what's the group called that's here? Uh, the huddle group? Man, I was doing a little Tina Turner, and you know, and I was out of breath. Man, this is bad. You're 55 years old and out of breath, you know, just by singing what's love got to do with it. But we go back to love to the Father. And then the second is love to man. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than this. Mark 12, 31. And the second like is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. To love them. I want to ask you something. If you, have you ever said, I'm not in love anymore with that person? Or have you ever thought that? So I used to love them, but I'm not in love with them. Or I love them, but I'm not in love with them. I, that always confused me. I mean, I'm in love with them, but I don't, I, I love them, but I'm not in love with them. So let's just think of it in the terms of marriage. If that's true, then that's based on a what? Feeling. It's based on a feeling if we say, I don't love them or I love them. It's based on a feeling because what you're saying is, is I'm no longer going to direct my direction and my attention to care or to do or to be with them. I would like to propose that maybe... We need to concentrate on whether or not we choose to love them. In other words, it's a choice who you want to love. Now, that doesn't mean be with them. That does not mean do everything they do. It does not mean that you have to follow some things that you think is just part of culture in a relationship. What does it mean? You've made the choice to do the physical things, the action of the Lord, to be with them, and to do. You've asked the Lord. So in other words, you chose to feed them, care for them, do the acts that, we, that the Lord would do, minister to them, protect them. It's a choice, a choice that you have given yourself permission to do what you've been called to do for that individual. In other words, have you ever thought, oh my gosh, because... He's so good looking, or she's so beautiful that I love them. Well, how did that work for you? I'm just curious. <laughs> I mean, not that any of you have ever been there or done that. I mean, you know, but it, it just, just what, what happened there? Bottom line is, on something like that, if we've trusted the Lord, love is work. Love is doing Love is being. Love is following after the Lord to do the things we need to do. I don't think it's fair to say out of love. I fell out of love. It's you made a choice to quit. You made a choice to give up. In my first marriage, uh, it kind of reminds me of my fourth marriage, but no, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but in my third marriage, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. In my first marriage, my pastor told me, he said, Brother Rick, 
Have you ever heard that song, Devil in a Blue Dress, Blue Dress, Blue Dress, Devil in a Blue Dress? What's the rest of that? Be gone? Yeah, but you get the point. Devil in a blue dress, blue dress. He said, I've never met a devil in a blue dress till I met your ex-mother-in-law. <laughs> and, uh, and if the elders here would know my pastor, and for coming from the great man of God from Houston, uh, that was shocking. And he just said this, he said, be careful. So in my marriage, I remember I moved back to the area in Houston. My mother-in-law said, Ricky, said, why don't you do this? Why don't you move in here with me, with your wife and your little girl? Move in here. Then you guys can find a house. Hmm, okay. Seems reasonable, logical. I just sold my home, moved in. Long story short, walked by her room one day, and she said, remember this, you'll never get back what you took from me. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you'll never get back what you took from me. When I was called to preach, I went to California to go to Bible college. When I went to Bible college, we had to drive and you know, move many miles away to California. Her husband divorced her right after that, and she blamed me for that. And she blamed my pastor for letting us go to California instead of going to Bible college in Texas. She harbored that in her heart. And that's what she meant, is I've got my daughter back, and I'm going to do everything I can to get her, keep her and to keep her away from you. I married in the perfect will of God that I thought, perfect will of God. I married as a virgin. I married as a virgin, and I married in the will of God at the age of 23. I was set. My world was rocked after seven years. I never experienced that kind of pain in my life. 30 years old, and my two-year-old girl is not going to be able to hang out with her dad anymore. Seven years later, I'm walking into a hospital to visit somebody who was very sick. And I walked in, and I get a call from my ex-wife. And she called me, and she said, I just need to tell you something. I said, what is it? She said, I just need to tell you that you were right. My mother was who broke us up. It was my mom. And, I, and it was vindication for me because I had not committed any biblical sin, which wouldn't matter. You still stay together, right? But I didn't. Neither did she. All the checkpoints that checked out, it's okay. Stay together. There wasn't anything but that spirit. When that happened, and she told me that, she said, the reason I know that this is my mom is because She's trying to do it to my husband now. Trying to take control. Folks, I've got a real problem with an independent spirit, controlling spirit that resides in women. That says it's my way or the highway. It also, it's also in men as well. Don't get me wrong. It's also in men. It is. In fact, it's so dominant that many times that spirit comes out and says, oh, no, you won't. And then it busts and it breaks in the relationship. Happens a lot. And then there are those that just cow down and go for the ride and let that spirit rule. Phil led to tell you today, you need to reverse the course. Well, what if it breaks it up? It won't. God's going to give you permission to rise up and be the man of God you're supposed to be in that home. And he's also going to rise up today and give the woman permission to let go and let God and let him love on her. 
so that she will submit her spirit properly to the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, so that she can bring under submission to God, who's God called her to, to help. You say, but Brother Rick, you don't understand how painful it is and what I've gone through and what causes me to be so independent and not want to hear what somebody's got to say. I already know. I get it. You had not been able to let go. It's too painful. And a lot of times you hadn't had the audience or the place to do it. Today, this altar will be filled with people that are going to let go and let God. No one has to touch you, get around you. All you're going to do is I submit that independent spirit to you, Lord. And Lord, if it's a devil and it's controlling me, cast it out in Jesus' name. I want it out. It's caused me too much pain and hurt. And God, forgive me to try to operate in ministry with that spirit and call it spiritual. Hear me. You're doing harm to the kingdom. You say, but Brother Rick, you don't understand. I don't have to submit to anyone. I don't have to submit to any pastor. No, you don't. You don't have to submit to anybody. You're right. You don't. See how that's working for you. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm going to be led of the Lord and say what I need to say today. But I do want to believe and know that you walk away with a couple things. God is love. Can you put up Romans 8 real quick? I want you to see something real quick up on the board. Romans 8, the 8th chapter. If you can do that real quick for me. Thank you. Or shall these things, if God be for us, who can be against us, continue? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up, how should we not with him also freely given to us? Uh, Romans, keep going. Here we go. Go back. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness, peril or sword? Look at that. Tribulation. Distress. Who's in distress? Who's in tribulation? Persecution. and persecuted. Famine. Nakedness. Peril. Sword. Continue. Who shall separate us? It is written. For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Continue. Yet in these things you are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Enemy, look at that. God's word is true. In all these things, we're more than conquerors. Today is your day to take authority 100% of that spirit that has been so taxing on you. You've tried to control for so much. And he's saying this, nothing can come against you if you just follow in me. Now, what does it look like? Many times it looks like this. Sir, please forgive me. I've talked bad of you. Uh, Ma'am, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I have not submitted myself. I've had a really bad spirit. Forgive me. The Lord delivered me today. That's the action that happens. Or, you know, today somebody falls in love with the Lord more and say, Lord, I realize now it's not just 21 days of praying and fasting for the people that are spiritual. It's for me so that I can get connected to you so that I can feel your love and truly love others. Does this make sense? Don't be afraid of what somebody's going to say about you and your family when you get spiritual. Don't be afraid what somebody's going to say about you when you submit today. Don't worry about that. It doesn't matter what people think over what the Lord thinks. He's just trying to give you a big old hug today. He wants to love on you. That big old burly man, the men today, just, just let him have his way. 
He's going to take a lot of pressure off you today when you open up your heart to him. He's going to take it all off. You see, I don't have to worry anymore. Not when you're in the hands of the Father. Well, what does it look like that I change? Go to that 21 days prayer and fasting. There's your protection. Go hug your pastor. You know, I felt led to say this, but I always get human sometimes, and I feel like maybe I'm going to mess up. But I just need to let you know something. In all my spiritual walk in life, I've never respected a man more. There's two people that I've respected in my life being a spiritual, true father who loves the Lord and, and could lead me. And that's Brother Kilgore and Pastor Lowe. Brother Lowe is a true man of God. I'm thankful for your leadership, sir. I'm thankful that you paid the price. I'm so thankful that you didn't let the pressures of the world sway you and move you. You've been very, very open to us all of how to make things right and, and how to correct things in your life. I just want to thank you for that, sir. And I know that that's hard for you to receive that today, but you did it right. And that's why many people have come back to be here in many ways is because they know that they followed the true example. And it's been an honor and privilege for the Lord for allow me to be a part of that. And I just want to say that today, as we realize that we have the love of the Father and the love of man, you tell that spirit that's trying to divide you and your family in this church to leave today. This is the house of God. Folks, I'm telling you, it's so important for unity. Unity is critical. There are times as a minister of the gospel, I had a bad spirit, and I needed to get away because <laughs> I need to get my heart right. We all do it. It all happens. This is what's going to happen today. There are some people in here that God's going to deliver. Nobody needs to know what it is. If you want me to pray for you, as you're down here, I'll come pray for you. There'll be the prayer team. There's people on the prayer team. People on the prayer team today, you have your liberty to pray and let the Lord wash, bless you. Do that. But there are some today that are going to find deliverance in such a way that it's going to be life-changing. Who wants that today? I'm just curious. Who wants that today? Go ahead and make your move. Go ahead and make your move right now if you want that today. Don't, don't look around. It's not about anybody but you. Who wants that today? You're done. You're tired. You're ready to submit. You're ready to let the Lord have His way. Amen. 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 It's time. It's time. And I hope everybody that stand, that would, let's all stand, please. Thank you. I hope that everybody's standing right now as they lower the lights, that you standing right where you are, give yourself back to the Lord. Let him love on you a minute. I love this. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's reminding me, he said, I'm going to take care of it. You don't take care of it, I'm going to take care of it. Some people can't submit to authority. I'll never forget the time when the devil sent somebody to our church one time to interrupt it. <laughs> and he rebuked all of us and said, don't concentrate on him. Don't concentrate on that. You just concentrate on those that are submitting. 
those of you that with your hands raised, and if you guys want to start singing quietly, that'd be great. You let the Lord move on you right now and see what happens. The Lord is speaking to some people here like he never has before. You may be sitting out in the audience. I see some of your hands raised. Beautiful. Pray. Pray for yourself. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Prayer team, you always have permission. This is a great prayer team here. You always have permission to come in and to pray with people, whatever you feel. That's fine. Thank you, Lord. 